Let's pray and ask God to meet us in the word. I love this body, Lord. Thank you for family. Thank you for community. Thank you for spiritual gifts. Thank you for love and for prayer and for open sharing. Thank you, Lord. And now we as a body want to come before your word and open up the word of God and have you teach us by your spirit. Help me not to get in the way. Lord, help me just to open the door to your word and so that we can all enter in and see and feel and say yes to what you're saying in this passage. So I ask for your power to come now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, last chapter of Hebrews. If you need a Bible, we want you to have one, so we'll bring one to you. Just raise your hand. Um, keep it up. Hebrews 13, and the Bibles we're passing out is page 1009, 1009. So go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, one thing I love about the book of Hebrews is that it shakes up our picture of Christian fellowship, big time. It's really easy for fellowship to get uh, shallow, uh, to get casual, to get surfacy, right? But the author of Hebrews, say in chapter 3, he says, Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in falling away from the living God. Whoa! Next verse, exhort one another every day. Every day, exhort one another, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And in chapter 12, he says, See that no one of you fails to obtain the grace of God, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. And that's the, that's the tenor that you get in the book of Hebrews, is that fellowship is serious. It's serious. That's not just serious. Okay, it's also joyful. It's loving. It's food and fun and, you know, goofing off together. But it is also serious. Earnestly serious. Because when we gather together, here right now, body, when we gather in our home groups, when men get together in their DNA groups, women get together in their DNA groups, when we gather together, we are called to help each other battle sin. We're called to help each other fight. We're called to take care about how each other is doing. And so fellowship is not shallow or surfacy or casual. Fellowship is earnest, serious. And, and one area of sin that it's especially important that we help each other battle temptation in has to do with sexual temptation. For a couple of reasons. One reason, sexual temptation can be so overwhelmingly powerful. And another reason is that in our culture, with the ease of the internet, temptation can be so accessible. And the reason I mention that is that in the passage today, the author helps us know how we ourselves can battle sexual temptation, and he gives us tools to help each other battle sexual temptation. Look what he says. We're just going to focus on one verse. I thought we might do this in the next couple of verses, but nope, too much right here. Too big of a topic and too powerful of a verse. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 4. Here's what he says. Let marriage be held in honor 
among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Okay, now because he's talking about marriage here um, and the marriage bed, you could think that this command is, is just for married people. You could think, okay, I'm single, this isn't for me, I'll you know, see what's on my phone, whatever. It doesn't fly to me, but that, that's, that's not the case. It's not just for those who are married. Notice that he says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Among all. That's among all of us. So all of us, single and married, are called to obey this command to hold marriage in honor. But what does that mean? How would a single person hold marriage in honor? How would a single person keep the marriage bed from being undefiled? So let's let's tackle, this is our first question. What does it mean to hold marriage in honor? Let's, let's unpack that. He says, hold marriage. Let marriage be held in honor among all. So what does it mean to do that? Now, if we, if we just focused on that phrase, we could think that what this means is just to, to think highly of marriage or to speak honorably about marriage. We'd think it's about thinking about speaking, but read the rest of the verse, you'll see that that's not the author's main point. That is true, but it's not the author's main point. Look at what he says. Read the whole verse. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And that word marriage bed refers to sexual relations in marriage. So he's definitely talking about the sexual practices, rhythms of married people. He's definitely talking about that here, but he's not talking just to married people. He's talking to single people, and the reason I say that is because he uses both the words adulterous, but also the word uh, sexually immoral. Okay, He uses both of those words. Now, the word adulterous refers to married people, and it refers to sexual sin where a married person would be sexually unfaithful to a spouse. That, that's adulterous. Somebody who does that is adulterous. But sexually immoral is a much broader word covering both married people and single people and any kind of sexual practice that would be outside the context of you and your spouse. So sexually immoral would include sex before marriage. It would include self-gratification. It would include porn. It would include entertaining lustful thoughts. So this is sexually immoral and is the broadest picture which covers both married people and single people. And so the focus of this command is not just to marriage and it's not just to think highly of marriage. He's calling us, singles and marrieds, to avoid sexual immorality and adultery, to avoid sexual sin. So here's what this means. Single people here, married people here, all of us. If you avoid sexual immorality and adultery, then you're holding marriage in honor and you're not defiling the marriage bed. If you, single or married, commit sexual immorality or adultery, then you are dishonoring marriage and you are defiling the marriage bed. That's what he's saying here. So let's try to get really specific. I mean, one obvious example, let's say that a married man or a married woman has an affair. That's obvious to all of us. That dishonors marriage and it defiles the marriage bed. Okay, that, that's, that's not, no surprise. But what may not be so obvious is, say for example, if a man, single or married, single or married, clicks on porn, then he is dishonoring marriage. Whether he's single or married, he's dishonoring marriage. And if he clicks on porn, he is, whether he's single or married, he's defiling the marriage bed. That's what the author is saying here. 
Or let's say a couple just hooks up with casual sex or not married. Okay, even though they're not married, they are dishonoring marriage. They are defiling the marriage bed by that sex that's outside the context of, of marriage. Or if a single man or a married man or woman entertains sexual thoughts. I'm not talking about flitting thoughts, but entertains sexual thoughts about someone who is not his or her husband or wife. Then they're dishonoring marriage and they are defiling the marriage bed. That's what the author is saying here. Now, as I pondered that, I mean, it's obvious how an affair, a married man or woman having an affair, that's obvious how that would dishonor marriage and defile the marriage bed. But I just was thinking... We need an illustration that would help us see how a single person or a just you know lustful thoughts being entertained. And so here's the illustration I want to throw out. See if this works. Um, what, what helped me see it was to really sit down and ponder: What is marriage? What is marriage? What has God given us in the gift of marriage? To really start there. This is crucial because our culture has a low view of marriage. And some of you maybe come from backgrounds where there's been a lot of divorce, and, and it's easy for you to have a low view of marriage as well. But I want to I describe what marriage is to be, what the gift of marriage is to us biblically. But before I go there, let me talk to the single people here. Because I'm very excited about marriage, okay? And I'm going to talk about the gift that marriage is. But I also want you to know if you're single that singleness is a wonderful calling and gift from God that's just dripping with mercy and grace. You do not need to experience romantic love or marriage to have your heart be completely, overflowingly filled and satisfied. You've got to be clear on this. With all the culture talk, especially it comes from Valentine's Day or whatever, it's wrong. You do not need romantic love or marriage to have your heart be filled to overflowing because the only one who can satisfy your heart to full and overflowing is Jesus Christ. Marriage does not do it. Does not do it. If any woman could, I'd like to say, it would be Jan. She's amazing. My heart's too ugly for that. I'm too much of a black hole. I would suck her dry if she had to satisfy my longings and need meaning and some insecure. No, no, no. Jesus Christ. So if you're single, that's what God's called you to be even just for today or next week or for the rest of your life, it is a high and holy calling, okay? Are we clear on that? Now we talk about marriage, though, and what God has done in giving us marriage. Marriage is a, is a precious and it's a beautiful gift from God. Marriage is God's idea. He set it up so a man and a woman, it's a man and a woman, it's hetero, heterosexual, they fall in love. And the man and woman look each other in the eye and just think of what this, when they say, I commit before God to love you, to cherish you, to be faithful to you for the rest of my life. Richer, poorer, sickness, health, hard times, good times. By the grace of God, this is my commitment. And just think of a man looking into a woman's eyes and saying, you I'm going to love and care for the rest of my life. It's just breathtaking, the level of... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's God's plan. And God calls the man to lead the wife, 
lays life down in love for his wife to nurture her, to cherish her, to provide for her and the, and the children, the family. And God calls the wife to follow the husband's lead and to encourage the husband's lead and nurture the husband's lead and help the husband. He's, she's the helper. And then they join together to build each other in trusting Jesus Christ. And they will laugh together over the word. And they will weep together in prayer. And they will bear each other's burdens. And they'll, they'll speak the truth to each other. And they'll worship together. And they will build each other in trusting Jesus Christ. And they will, they will teach their kids about Jesus. They'll seek to lead their children to trust Jesus Christ. And they'll play with their kids and laugh with their kids and discipline their kids and have meals with their kids and do devotional times with their kids and help the kids come to trust Jesus. And then they will join together to help make disciples who make disciples who make disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. So marriage is an amazing, powerful, holy, sacred gift from God. And there's an, an awesome closeness and camaraderie, and togetherness, and vulnerability, and love that's unique to marriage. There's no other relationship like it in the human world. It's marriage. And then, to bless this astonishing closeness, and to nurture and deepen this astonishing closeness, God gives marriage the gift of sexual relations. He gives us to marriage, the gift of sexual relations. God created sex. It's his gracious, merciful idea. He wanted to give marriage a unique closeness and pleasure and joy and fun and get to make babies. Okay, so God gave the gift of sexual relations and so he created sex and gave this as a gift to a husband and wife. And so marriage, sex is only for the setting of marriage. And the Bible doesn't clearly say why, but I think one reason might be, I've heard enough people teach this, I think, and, and I've, I can see how it makes sense. I think one of the reasons why sex is just for marriage is that sexual relations produce such a vulnerable, open, amazing closeness between two people that that closeness has to be protected by a lifelong commitment. That's why God set things up the way that he did. So sex is a precious, holy gift that God gives to bless the closeness of marriage and to nurture and deepen the closeness that's experienced in marriage. And so at any pursuit of sexual anything that's outside the setting of marriage dishonors marriage and defiles what God intended to be for the marriage bed. Think about it like this. See if this illustration helps. Let's say that when you were growing up, uh, your your dad had a very rare baseball signed by Mickey Mantle, worth a ton of money. And this baseball is in a little special plastic case, and it's in the family room, right up on the mantle. Okay. And he says to you kids, you kids can come in here and you can enjoy this baseball whenever you want, but it's got to be enjoyed here in the family room and in its plastic case only. Okay? Very valuable. So come in here whenever you want. You look at it. You can just read Mickey Mantle. You hear the whole story. Okay, so you know. So maybe that afternoon, your dad's gone, and, and you go into the family room, and, and you take it with its plastic case, sit down on the couch, and, and you enjoy it. And, it's, and by doing it the way your dad told you to, you're honoring that baseball, and you're not defiling that baseball. You're, you're experiencing in the setting in which your dad said it could be enjoyed. 
What if a couple weeks later, dad wasn't home, nobody was home, just you, and you thought it might be fun to take that baseball and take it out of the case and take it out of the family room and head out in front of the house and play catch with it with your friends. And you're playing catch with it and it gets dropped and plopped into a puddle and then it gets scuffed on the street and whose signature was that on it again? You can't see whose signature is on it anymore. You've just dishonored that Mickey Mantle baseball and you've just defiled that Mickey Mantle baseball. And that's what happens with sexual relations, with sex. God has carefully placed this precious gift in the protection of marriage. Wonderful, amazing gift in marriage. That's where he's placed it. And so when a man, single or married, refuses to click on porn, saying, I'm going to keep marriage in the setting God made it. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep sex and sexual thoughts in the setting God created it. When he refuses to click on porn, he is honoring marriage and not defiling the wedding bed. You see that? It's powerful. Or when a dating couple refuses to get sexually involved. No. Sexual relations is for the setting of marriage. It's a wonderful gift for marriage. We're not married. That's the setting in which it will be experienced. They are honoring marriage and they're not defiling the marriage bed. See how that works? Okay. Or when a man or, or woman refuses to entertain sexual thoughts about a person not his or her wife. He's saying, no, I'm... Those kind of thoughts, that's only in marriage, towards a spouse. I'm not going to do that. He's honoring marriage. He's not defiling the marriage bed. And then the flip side is also true. When a man or a woman clicks on porn, then those sexual thoughts and actions are taking, yanking sexual relations outside of the, the setting of marriage in which God made it, and it's being dishonored and defiled. Or if a, if a couple who's not married goes ahead and has sexual involvement and sexual activity together, they've yanked sexual relations out of the context of marriage in which God said it, and it's being dishonored and defiled. Or when a man or a woman entertains sexual thoughts about someone who's not their spouse, they've, they've yanked sexual relations out of the protective case of marriage, and they've dishonored marriage and, and defiled marriage. So the author's calling us, single and married, let marriage, all that that entails, marriage, the commitment, sexual relations, let marriage be held in honor by all, and no one defile the marriage bed. Honor everything that marriage is and that God's created it to be. And we do that by only pursuing sexual activity, thoughts, relations in the setting of marriage with your husband or your wife, your spouse. So that's what he's calling us to do. That's what it means to honor, to hold marriage in honor and not let the marriage bed be defiled. Now why why should we do that? Why must we honor marriage and not defile it? And we can think of lots of reasons, but I want to drill into the reason he gives us here. He gives a very sobering and powerful reason here in verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, 
for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Now that might raise a question in your mind, and it it would be a good question. And the question would be something like this. But doesn't Paul, in Romans 8, verse 1, say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? No condemnation, no judgment, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Doesn't he say that? And the answer is yes, he does. Absolutely. That's my that's my lifeline. Right? That's my oxygen spiritually. So he totally says that. But here's the question. How can you tell whether or not you are in Christ Jesus? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how could you tell this morning whether that's you, whether you're in Christ Jesus? It's not because you are perfectly free from sexual sin. I guess that wouldn't be true for many people here, okay? That's not what makes you be in Christ Jesus. It's not because you are perfectly free from sexual sin. But here's how you can know right now that you're in Christ Jesus. Because you have faith in Jesus Christ. It's by faith alone. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you trust him, including what he says about sex. You trust him. You trust that he says marriage is the setting for sexual activity, sexual thoughts. Marriage is the setting. So you you trust what he says about sex. So no matter what happened a week ago or yesterday, in your heart now is sexual sin is your sworn enemy. And that by the grace of God, never again, help me, Father, by your grace, never again. I want to obey your Holy Son. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. And if that's in your heart, you're in Christ. And there's no condemnation. No condemnation. That's how you can tell. Because that heart shows that you're trusting Jesus Christ, which shows that you have faith, which is how we're saved, which is why there's no condemnation for us. But what if your heart's different? What if you are behind your back and be holding on to this porn issue, this porn habit? You're not laying it down. You're holding to it. Or you're planning on continuing the affair. Or you're going to keep sleeping with your girlfriend. Well, see, then, are you trusting what Jesus says about sexual relations? You're not. You're not trusting him. There's no faith. And, and, and because there's no faith, and unless something changes, that would mean that you're not in Christ Jesus. So that's how you can tell you're in Christ Jesus. Okay? Because if you trust what Jesus says about sex, then you're going you're gonna to fight against sexual sin. You're going to hate sexual sin. You're going to love sexual purity. And if and when you stumble, you'll be back, forgive me, Father. Help me, strengthen me. And he'll come running to you and he'll say, yes, you're back. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. And you're back at the battle again. That's how you can tell if you're in Christ Jesus. So the author wants to warn us here about the necessity of battling sexual sin. Saved people aren't perfect, but saved people battle. And when saved people stumble, we repent and come back. That's how you can tell. So we've got to battle sexual sin. We got a battle. Men, we got a battle. It is a battle. 
Women, I don't understand how you guys battle, but you got to battle too, okay? It's different, I hear. I just know me. I know us. It's a battle. So how can we battle sexual sin? Let me give you a couple of suggestions, and then maybe we'll see if we have time for some questions. First of all, it all starts here. Embrace Christ's forgiveness of your past sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how recently you've done it. If you're on your face before the Lord Jesus saying, I'm sorry, I chose not to trust you, help me, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. He will help you, he will forgive you, he will wash you, he will cleanse you. You you don't need to overcome sin in order to be forgiven. It's very important. That reverses the order. You come as you are, repenting in your heart, turning from it, but saying, help me, forgive me, and then you receive and experience forgiveness, and then your heart has changed, and you have the power to fight sin. So come as you are. And I mean this literally. I don't care what you've done or how often you've done it. I don't, it doesn't make any difference. Forgiveness is free. Jesus paid on the cross for those sins. And you've got to be clear here. We've got to be understanding this and experiencing this. The way to fight sexual sin or any sin is from the foundation of being forgiven. You're forgiven. He's for you in Christ Jesus. All of his promises are true for you. Let's fight. That's where it starts. So embrace Christ's forgiveness for your your past. Oh, there's just something. I was telling a guy, I shared the gospel with a guy this last week. I was describing what, what happens when the weight of guilt lifts off of you and the forgiving, pardoning love of God comes upon you. Have you tasted that? Oh, you've got to taste it. Taste it again and again and again. Okay, secondly, pray earnestly for God's power. You can't overcome sexual temptation by willpower or by gritting your teeth. Accountability can help. Internet filters can help. But the main issue is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit making, helping you So see and feel the glory of Jesus Christ helping you in your heart be so satisfied with who Jesus is as revealed in the scriptures that you're like a hungry person eating prime rib. Okay? Why would you stoop down and lick a little broken hot dog piece out of the gutter? That is an understatement. You've tasted Psalm 73, I quote this all the time. Whom have I in heaven but you, and besides you I desire nothing on earth. Jesus can so satisfy your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are full and free and enjoying the prime rib and you're not going to waste time with the little moldy hot dog down there in the gutter. So pray earnestly for God's power. Pray. He will do this. He'll give you all the power you need. And then third, trust Christ to satisfy your emotional desires. It's helped me to see that there's kind of two parts of of sexual temptation. Part of it's emotional, okay? Where your heart is longing for some pleasure or for some thrill, maybe to comfort you, to tantalize you, to give you some excitement, to help you deal with stress, whatever it might be. 
But the good news is Jesus Christ can fully, fully, 100% satisfy all those emotional longings in himself. Jesus Christ will fully satisfy your heart in himself. Now, it's going to take effort. This is part of the war. You pray. You open up God's word. I'm not seeing it, Father. Help me. I'm not feeling it at all. Help me. Meet me. And you just think about these things. You take your thought off of those things and you put your thought on him. And you pray. And maybe you get a brother to come pray. I need to come over and pray with me. And the Lord will so show you the living Jesus Christ that you're full, you're satisfied. So this, the emotional part of sexual temptation can be fully satisfied in the work of the Holy Spirit making Jesus real to you. You've experienced this. Every believer has. But there's a second part that's different. This is the, the physical part of, of sexual temptation. We need to endure the physical desires for Christ's sake. So sexual temptation is not just emotional. There's also a physical component. This is just where your hormones kick in and you, you just want sex. Okay? I don't know else to put it. Um, now, you should not feel guilty when the hormones kick in because that's, you shouldn't feel guilty about being hungry. Okay? It's just a bodily thing. All right? Don't feel guilty about that. It's what you do with it that's the battle. All right? So what should you do about these physical desires? They will not go on forever. Your body will deal with it. So what you need to do in the meantime is to set your heart on Jesus Christ and for the sake of honoring marriage, for the sake of not defiling the marriage bed, because I want more of Jesus. I want more of you. I want to glorify you. I want, to be, I want you to be pleased with me. And I want, I want more of you in my life. I, I'm, I'm going to endure that physical discomfort for the time being. That's how it works. Just like if you're fasting, what, what keeps you? Why aren't you eating? Well, because there's something I'm, I'm seeking for, from the Lord here. Aren't you hungry? Yeah, it's not fun, but he's worth it all. That's how it works. Hormones kick in, desires kick in. Not going to pursue it, okay? Either because I'm not married, or because this is not the time, maybe my wife's sick, whatever, or, or you pursue it when, when it can be done lovingly and enjoy you and your spouse. That's how it works. Fifth, receive encouragement and prayer from others. This, this is important. None of us were called to be lone ranger Christians battling any kind of temptation besides sexual temptation. And so humble yourself and receive encouragement. I love my DNA group. Friday morning, we always ask each other, what sexual temptations have we been dealing with this last week? And we're committed to telling each other. Okay, it's a confidential group, and we help each other battle. And uh, we need that. So men, ask other men to pray for you, to pray with you, to hold you accountable, to speak the truth to you, to ask you the hard questions. Do you have a man who's doing that in your life, men? Women, have some men asking you the hard questions. Have some women asking you the hard questions. Women, have women ask you the hard questions. Love each other. Encourage each other. Accept each other. Build each other. Speak truth to each other. Call each other out. Because we love each other. Okay? So receive encouragement and prayer from others. Sixth, eliminate unnecessary sexual temptations. I'm talking about the media, you know, sites on the internet. I'm talking about books. I'm talking about song lyrics. I mean, you know, you know, relationships. 
you know what, how you're tempted. If your hormones have kicked up a little fire, that's enough to deal with. Why pour gasoline on it? <laughs> Eliminate them. And then seventh, really important, if you're married, work together to help each other not be tempted. Work together. I know sex can be a very painful topic in a marriage. There may be a lot of pain. And I would urge you, though, husbands, initiate conversation. Talk together about this and and talk tenderly and lovingly and caringly and serve each other. Talk about how you can serve each other, how you can help each other battle temptation. Talk about it. Think about it together. Move towards each other. People are different. Move towards each other. Help each other. There's one other thought on that. It's wonderful when sex is spontaneous, okay, but there is nothing wrong with a little scheduled spontaneity. Okay? Busy, nothing wrong with that at all. There's a lot of wisdom in that. So work together, husbands and wives, to talk and to have a rhythm that, that, that helps each of you not be tempted. Okay, so what, what questions? Well, you said it so well. Marriage pictures the, the beautiful love and faithfulness between Christ and his bride, the church. That's, that's, one of the, that's one of the purposes for your marriage. What a high and holy calling. And so sexual sin blasphemes the picture, dishonors the picture, and dishonors Christ in the process. So I think you put it very well, Andrew. Ephesians 5, last, last couple of verses there. Well, if they love each other deeply and they're married in their hearts, then I would say, um, stand up. And before God, before me, anybody else want to come around? I don't want to be facetious, but why don't you commit to each other for life right now before God? Do you understand what marriage is? I mean, maybe I'd want to do a little more counseling first ahead of time, but but I mean, let's, let's get married. Right? I mean, join in. And so I don't, I don't know what, and if that's really where they're at, then they will, and then, then we're good to go. Again, premarital counseling is really helpful. Okay? I don't want to be, be facetious or flippant about it, but... Um, Marriage is a, is a public before God commitment between a man and a woman to be faithful and cherish each other for the rest of their lives. And that could happen like right here in the next five minutes if, if somebody wanted to, right? I mean, it doesn't need to be any big, but is that what they're committing to? Are they really committing to that before God to each other? That's the question. If they are, then, then they should. And if they won't, then they aren't. So, okay, let me just, we should wrap up here. I want to leave you with two thoughts. Jesus Christ has forgiveness for every sexual sin. Past sexual sin, present sexual sin, future sexual sin. He has forgiveness to cover every sexual sin. And he's got power. He's got power to conquer every sexual temptation you will ever face. He has power to conquer every sexual temptation. So... Don't fall for the lie. I'll talk to men here. Don't fall for the lie that men have to sin sexually. Just men. We, we have to sin sexually. Not born again, men. 
Not men who have had their sexual sin nailed to the cross and put to death there with Christ. Not men who love Jesus' glory more than anything. Not men who experience what it means to have their hearts filled with love and and, and experiencing the glory of Christ. Men will stumble, but no man has to sin sexually, ever. That is a lie from Satan. Never do you have to. If you do, when you do, there's forgiveness in Christ. So come and be forgiven. And next time you face temptation, see that there's power for every temptation you'll ever face, men and women. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Let's stand together. This is a weighty topic, Lord, in our day today, and I pray first for those who need to hear the word of your forgiveness through Christ. Every sexual sin can be forgiven. Everyone. Lord, I plead with you. Some here need to see the cross more clearly, see your mercy more really. Please, Lord, I pray. Thank you for your grace. I pray that no one would leave here thinking that they can't be forgiven for what's taken place, please. And I I pray, Lord, that you would enlarge our vision of your power, which is able to conquer every sexual temptation we will ever face. Oh, Lord, strengthen us to see that. Break Satan's lies from us, I pray. And Lord, I ask that you would bless marriages here conversations that need to take place. This is a sensitive and this can be a painful topic where there can be lots of bitterness. Please, Lord, let there be humility and confession and joy and love and understanding and tenderness. I pray for healing conversations to take place this week. Please, Lord. Singles, Lord, I pray for the singles here, that they would see the high, holy calling you've given to them to singleness, and that you will so satisfy them in Christ that they do not need sexual relations, and that not having sexual relations does not mean they'll never be fully satisfied. Please, Lord, conquer the lies. Pour out your grace upon them. Lord, we at Mercy Hill Church, we want to honor your plan. We want to display to people around us what marriage should be, what singleness should be, what sexual purity should be. For the glory of your name, help us to do this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.